The following shiur has been delivered by Dayan Eliezer Cohen, Dayan at the Bet Avad. For more shiurim or information, please visit theshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. A person should not withhold the payment of a worker, whether it's his brother or it's a stranger, and he should pay him on the same day. We're going to explain a little bit later what that means. The sun should not set for him. And he counts on it. His, his soul depends on it. It's his sustenance. He should not call out to Hashem complaining about the fact that we're not paying him his wages on time. So this class, I want to discuss the halachot of timely wages. Paying people on time. Now, I want to thank the, the uh, Beis Avad, Lanyani Mishpat. The Beis Avad does phenomenal work promoting business halacha. In fact, um, I remember when I, when I did the radio class in, in New York, 97.5, and I did it on behalf of Beis Avad, we'd say a little bit halacha every day. And we spoke about many business halachas, and one of the things that people would mention is that, you know, I don't have so many questions. I don't have that many questions that I need, you know. I always point out that the opposite, because that, that's the biggest sign that a person has a lot of questions. Because if he doesn't even realize that there's an issue, that means he's, he's missing, he's glossing over the issue, he's missing the issue. And, and sometimes people say, well, what does the rabbi understand about business? You know, this is complicated business stuff, Why, how am I going to explain it to him, this and that? We don't have to worry about that. Hashem will make sure that the rabbi gives you the proper answer. I like to use a story that happened after that show, after the radio program where you have an option to send in questions or call in. So a fellow calls in with a question that has nothing to do with business halacha, but it brings out the point how a person has sat in the Shemaya. So I get a phone call that a person, there's a skula, that if a lady is going to give birth, she should bite off the, the tip of the joke. And the tip of the joke is uh, some kind of skula that's supposed to help for easy childbirth. I said this story once before, I'll repeat it again because it brings me to the point. So when I got the phone call, uh, the, the fellow asked me, he says, is there a tefillah, is there a prayer that you say before biting off, the lady should say, before biting off the tip of the joke? I was thinking to myself, I mean, you know, biting off the tip of the joke itself is like, you know, it sounds like a far-fetched skula. On top of that, there should be a prayer for that. Also, it's like, you know, how many levels of, you know, I was thinking the questions that people ask these days, you know. So I said, I'm not aware that there should be a prayer. I can't imagine there's a prayer about it. Anyway, so I hang up the phone, and I walk into the call in the morning, and I bump into a friend of mine, and I say, you know, the questions that people ask, I'm telling you, you never expect those questions. The person wants to know if there's a tefillah to say before biting off the tip of the throat. So my friend says, of course there's a tefillah, you say. So I said, really? How do you know that's tefillah? Well, you're an expert in all, in all kinds of tefillah? So I said, no, it happens to be that in this particular tefillah, I'm always telling my family members to say it. Or any woman in his family that want to give birth to say this tefillah and bite off the tip of the intro. 
So I ran away, uh, looked up the Tzilat, and he showed me. It's in the back of the Sefer Matev, right? And, and I took a picture of it, and I sent it to this person. But I couldn't help thinking to myself that even the most far-fetched question in the world, Hashem will send the answer to the person who bothered to ask. And what are the chances that I'm going to bump into the one person in the world that made it his project to show this to a lot of people in his family? It's, it's, it's the last thing you would expect. But still, Hashem, Hashem makes sure that it happens. And the same thing. Comes to business, don't worry. The rabbi will find what to tell you. Your job is to ask the question. So, the, the, um, the fact I, I, I spoke at also many times that this, these halachot, business halachot, are things that, that can actually help people with their emunah and the Hashem. Because there are many, many halachot that we have today that we, that are being imitated in the, in the law books, in the courts. For example, which, uh, it's a very common example which I always use is real estate. Real estate has many laws that are taken straight out of the Gemara. The Gemara in Bavavetzia says that there's a certain amount of time you have to notify the landlord before moving out of a home. And the landlord has to notify the tenant a certain amount of time. And, we, and that's the laws that they use today. The same thing. There's 30-day notice, 60-day notice. And this is almost verbatim out of our output. Now think about it. I mean, people are, you know, discussing all kinds of hashkafic ways to prove, uh, you know, uh, the existence of Hashem. The most obvious way is just open a Gemara. You can see inside, you see, everything is black and white, right there. 3,000 years old, we have these laws for so many years, they haven't changed a tiny bit. And the nations of the world in all those years, what were they holding? They were in the Dark Ages. They were doing, you know, things that have no, absolutely no, nothing, no, no connection to the civilized life as we know it today. And we have been with the same Alchot all these years, and, and so, I mean, what greater proof could, could a person need that the Rabbi Nashamayim, that the Kadosh Baruch Hu, that created the world? This is the most, the strongest way for a person to realize these things. Another example we find is, is, is a halacha, that if a person is a worker, a person is a day laborer, he gets paid by the hour. And he feels, for whatever reason, he, he doesn't want to continue his job. He wants to stop, he wants to stop in the middle of the day. And if he's not causing a direct loss, he has the right to, um, to stop the job. Why? Because the Torah tells us that, the Jewish people are, are slaves to me. They are, they are my slaves and they're not slaves to slaves. So when a person is a day laborer, we know that the day laborers, they stand outside in a home depot or whatever. It's a very, it's a very demeaning uh, job. It's a very low class job. And the person feels, you know, the guy is like a slave. In other words, he's paid by the hour and he's forced to stay on the job till the end. So Hashem says that this is the law in Shulchan Aruch, that a person who's a day laborer has the right to, to, to walk out on the job. Why? Because if he doesn't have the right to do that, that's almost like slavery. And that would be like almost total slavery. Now there's a law, in fact, in, in the books, that the word that's used for this very law, that a, that a day laborer has the right to stop a job in the middle of the day, is known as involuntary servitude. Involuntary servitude means he cannot be a servant involuntarily. That's literally the words of the Gemara, black and white, straight out of the Gemara. And like we said before, the same thing for many other laws. So this is, this is, the, this is just the beauty of, of, of the laws that we have in the Torah, but especially in, in the area of business, halakha, the laws of business, it's one of the strongest places where we find the, the, the intelligence and the advanced 
way of life that, that the Jewish people have lived all these hundreds and thousands of years, that we have this unbelievable book of law that teaches us everything we need to do. And therefore, it's the, the work of the, the Beis Abad is so important that you know, people, they, they work from 9 to 5, and they come home and they learn something that, that's not negated with their, their day, day-to-day business. If you're working from 9 to 5, your first focus should be on the laws of business. Your first focus should be on the halakhot that will help you, as a person, be able to do the proper, you know, run your business in a proper way. So therefore, it's a, very, it's a, it's a crucial thing. So here, Baruch Hashem, we're getting together in Norcross, Georgia, to be able to talk about business halakha. And this is, um, I want to give some, getting back to, the, to this particular discussion in the parasha of paying a worker on time. Now, timely wages, the, the halakhot of timely wages come up in many different ways. So we're going to introduce a few questions, and I'm going to say a few, you know, rules that we have to know, and then afterwards we'll go back and answer the questions. So the first question is like this. A person hires a babysitter, and the babysitter comes to their house at night, finishes the job, let's say the, the parents come back home, they were by a wedding till late at night, the, again, the father looks at his pocket, he owes the babysitter $12, he only has a $10 bill. So he tells the babysitter, you know what, Here, here's a $10 bill, tomorrow I'll pay you two, two more dollars. You know, so so the question is, is there um, a transgression of the halakhat paying on time? By, by waiting on just two dollars of the salary, or, or even if you don't, or, or since he didn't pay the whole salary, he is he is transgressing. That's one question. Another question: Let's say you do payroll for your company. You have a company, you're in charge of payroll. You don't own the company. You're just an employee of the company, but you're in charge of payroll. So you know the company's running late. Whatever it is, their funding is is drying up. So they they're, they're running late on payroll. Are you, as the manager, as the person who's in charge of payroll? Are you are you going to transgress the law of paying on time, or since you're just a representative of the company, you're not going to transgress anything? Other question. Third question: Rent, paying rent on time. Is there a requirement? Is rent in the same category as paying a worker on time? A worker, a worker. We know that the Torah says clearly has to be paid on time. Is he, he, whatever the, the, the reasoning the Torah says, that rent. Can we apply the same reasoning as well? In other words, can we say the landlord is depending on this money or whatever, and therefore he has to pay on time? Or when it comes to rent, it's a different story. Another question is: Let's say a person doesn't have money in him at all for whatever reason. His, you know, his, he's um, he's spending more than he has. There's something in business called cost of acquisition. Cost of acquisition means you'll spend money before you have the client because you know you're going to get it back. So that's cost of acquisition. It's whatever. This guy's in the cost of acquisition mode, and he's he's overspending. That when it comes to that, he doesn't have the money. Is he transgressing the halacha And a, another question. Is when a person does pay on time, is that actually considered fulfilling a mitzvah in and of itself, or is just not transgressing by not running away? So this is um, many of these questions are fairly straightforward, and uh, we're not going to get into many of the nitty gritty uh, questions that are applicable. But we're going to just talk in a general sense more to raise the awareness of. of uh, in, in monetary matters, and each person will ask a child for their own situation. So now, the Torah told, says, and then the Pasuk said before, that told us that a person should pay the Yomot Yitain should pay on that day. What does it mean he has to pay on that day? 
So the Shulchan Aruch in Choshe Mishpat, Siman Shin Lamitet says that it means that a person has to pay before the end of that 12-hour period of the day. Let's say, let's just say they break the day down into two 12-hour periods. So let's say the guy finished during the day, he has to be paid by nightfall. If he finished in the middle of the night, he has to be paid t- till sunrise. Okay, now nightfall is a question of that. Shkiah, is that Tzedakopabi? Whatever, that's, we won't get into that right now. Best to do by Shkiah, not to run into any questions. That's, that's the halakha that we follow. And therefore, when it comes to time to pay, you have, let's say you have a worker that's working for you 9 to 5, 5 in the middle of the day, you have till, let's say, 8 o'clock, which is sundown, okay? So that would be, or 6 o'clock in a, in a perfect day. So you'll have, you have to go, make sure you have money, go to the bank, get the money, and pay. The same thing if he's a night worker, he finishes his job halfway through the night, you have to pay by the morning. Once he runs into the next segment of the day, for example, let's say he runs over time, He's working for you overtime past sun, sundown. And he's already he's past Sedakofabim. So now he'll be ready half till the next morning. Because he's already running into that uh, segment of time. Now the Rabban actually said that still there's a mitzvah to try to pay him right away. Because maybe he depended on for food lines that, that night. But as far as the, the transgression of not paying on time... He, he, he has till the next morning. The same thing would be the other way. If a person was a night laborer and he ran into the day, then the, the uh, employer has to pay him till sunset. So that's in a, in a very general uh, way, uh, the picture, the, uh, they, had, they have a picture of what exactly is the pay period according to uh, the halakha. And I just want to make sure, make clear that this is not discussing in a person who is trying to get out of paying totally, if a person owes someone money for working for them, they, and they do not plan on paying them, or, like they say here, they're just draining them a cup, they're driving them crazy, they're making them, um, you know, do all kinds of things to push them off, which people do, that's, that's downright theft, that's, that's equivalent to stealing. In fact, the Gemara tells us, and that's quoted in the first Alakha here in Shin Lamitet, that if a person is actually in the Sabbath, if a person does not plan on paying at all, he's going to transgress five different lotasay, five different transgressions because of this, uh, of the, having no intention to pay. So this discussion is not talking about where someone has no intention to pay at all. Rather, and of course he's planning on paying. It's just, he wasn't planning on paying on time. He's, you know, he's, some people are, you know, they slap, they drag, they, they drag their feet, they don't take it seriously. The, the Torah is telling us you can't, you can't drag your feet. If you have someone that's working for you, you have to pay them on time. Now the question many people ask is this apply to non-Jews as well? So most, of, most authorities hold it does not. The Rambam, I believe, writes that it does. But most authorities uh, say that, that this halakha does not apply to them. But since the Rambam says that it does, the person should be careful. Now, in the in the um, in the bigger picture of what does it mean that he has to be paid on time? Today's day and age, most most of the time, people are paid by, by on a certain day of the week, not not at the end, not at sunset. Even in the general case where you're pulling up a guy from out of in front of Home Depot, you're going to pay him by the end of the day. But let's say you have a, a salaried worker or a teacher or uh, any kind of salaried worker that's going to be paid at the end of the month. So what would be in that case, what would be payday? So the halakha is that paying on time would be on that day of payment, you have to pay him by 
the end of that segment of the day. For example, let's say payday would be 5 o'clock in the afternoon at the end of the month on the 30th of the month. So he has to be, make sure he gets that check by that time. So that's that's the same uh, same idea. This, uh, and, but sometimes you have people that pay at the end of the year. The same thing. But when a payday arrives, he has to be paid before sundown or sunup if he's a night if it gets paid at night. So um, so now the Chavetz Chaim writes that we know that this is a mitzvah to say the paying a person on, during the day uh, the day he's supposed to be paid is not just not not to transgress. It's actually a positive commandment to pay a person on time. And therefore, the Chavetz Chaim writes that a person when he's paying these uh, salaries, he should look at it to himself. Same mitzvah like if he's eating, like if he's shaking lulav. Same exact thing. As if he's, he's, he should enjoy it the same way he's, as if he shakes the lulav. Unfortunately, many people don't look at it that way. They feel, oh, you know, I had $100,000 in my bank account, and now I have to pay this guy $5,000. You know, they're feeling bad. They went from three digits to down, you know, six digits, I mean, down. So therefore, they feel very bad. The opposite. A person is supposed to enjoy it the same way he would spend money on, on a mitzvah. We know that Rizal used to go and he would buy a lulav for Sukkot. He would go, he would take the bank money, put it on the table, and tell the guy, take as much money as you think your lulav costs. Money would mean nothing to him when it comes to a mitzvah. So everything that we do is really a mitzvah. This mitzvah is, 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 should be to us the same enjoyable and the same pleasant to fulfill it, the same as if we would be um, eating matzah or, or shaking lulav. Now, let's say a person does not, we had a question before, a person does not have money. So, so the halacha actually is that if a person does not have money, he does not transgress the halacha because he's not actually withholding the money from the fellow. But, of course, the minute he gets it, he should pay it. However, it's not going to be, uh, the, the, it's not going to, the deadline is not going to apply then. But he do, doesn't have to pay it for the other reason because the rest will be equivalent to theft. So he has to make sure to pay. But if he does not have money at that time, he doesn't have to pay. Now that's according to the strict letter of the law. According to the the halacha, which is quoted in Pitzchet the Arizal used to have a custom that he would actually borrow money if he didn't have money to be able to pay a worker on time. Because even though technically he wasn't required to borrow, but he wanted to be mekayev the mitzvah, be able to take care of paying the worker on time. So he would actually go and borrow money in order to pay this worker on time. So this, 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 if a person is able to, you know, to, to go that extra mile, it's a beautiful thing. And again, it, it puts into perspective the whole concept of a person's money as, as, as being a vehicle for a person to, to fulfill a mitzvah, as opposed to just being, you know, a, a, a question of how wealthy he is and how much more money he has. It's the opposite. It's all just, all, the money is just a vehicle to bring him to be able to fulfill these mitzvot. Now, if a person hires a worker through a hiring agency, through a hiring company, the halacha is as follows. Since, since the person is not the one who actually hired the worker, let's say you have, you have, a, you have a big company, you have a guy who does, he does the HR, whatever it is, he, he's the one who hires the people, the personnel department, he meets them, he hires them, he's not, but he's not the owner of the company. So after he hires them, he screens them and everything, the person who's getting hired understands that this is not the owner of the company that he's talking to. He knows that he's talking merely to a worker. Someone just in the pecking order of the company, this is his job. His job is, you know, 
his job is, is the, the person who's in charge of personnel. He hires them. So that uh, that hiring agent is not the owner. Therefore, the person who was hired is not depending on this hiring agent for his salary. And therefore, he's not going to transgress the halakha of the Avotetet Saro. And, and not only won't he transgress, even the owner. The owner is not even going to transgress because the owner never interacted directly with the worker. Therefore, neither is going to transgress the halakha of the However, there still is a rabbinical injunction, a rabbinical commandment that, he, that when the worker comes and asks for his money, that he should not push him off. If the, if the employer has the money, and the worker comes and asks for the money, even though, biblically, since he wasn't the person hiring directly, there's not going to be a transgression, still, rabbinically, there's going to be a transgression of a concept called, Don't tell your friend, go and come back. Go and come back is a concept that, that you know, many times, you know, a person pledges money to, to something, and then people, you know, come, first come to ask for the money, and the guy says, you know, call me next week, call me in two weeks, and if I, you know, making the guy run after you, so many times also, if a guy, if, if a person owes someone else money, the, 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 um, the lender will come and ask the borrower, do you have the money that you owe me, and the borrower will push him off. You know, they say, oh, okay, don't worry, I'll get, I'll get back to it, whatever, you know, I'm in a tough time, whatever. So all these things, if, if they're just being done as stalling tactics, they're forbidden. They're rabbinically forbidden under the concept of don't tell your friend to go and come back. And because making somebody go and come back is is, is like pushing them off. And that's sort of, it smacks of the um, the same kind of concept of not paying a person uh, in a timely manner. So even though he hired through an agent, there still will be a crowd of Al-Tamayla-Yafalit-Washof. Now, um, sometimes it's, it's common knowledge among the workers that the employer it does not pay until he runs through the bills with the worker. For example, let's say you have a traveling salesman that works for your company, so he has, he has traveling expenses and he has, you know, discretionary money that he can spend on different kinds of, you know, if he has to go out, he's eating a restaurant with a client or whatever it is. All these kinds of uh, discretionary expenses are many times reviewed before payday to see, you know, exactly how to structure the the payment for that month. So even if payday um, comes and goes, many times the worker realizes that until he actually sits down with the employer to run through the expense of the month, he's not going to get paid. So, he to pay. so there will not be a transgression of uh, by the fact that the, the um, employer ran over the deadline. Because the deadline is not a real deadline in this case, because the payday is not a real the payday because everybody knows that it's, it's just a, it's just a date on the calendar. The real payday works by when they have time to get together and run through the expenses and then figure out what, what, what what's owed and what's not owed, etc. So getting back to the question that we had before, um, so, is a person allowed to tell the babysitter, I want to give you um, $2 tomorrow, here's, here's a $10 bill, I'm uh, sorry, I don't have everything right now. So, the, the answer is no, he's not supposed to do that. Unless the babysitter agreed uh, up front in the beginning when they were, or even now, when he asked her for permission to wait, and she really genuinely does not care, she's in agreement, then you could pay the, lady, the, the babysitter, the boy, the girl, whoever the babysitter was, the $2 the next day. However, if the, the babysitter is just embarrassed to say that, you know, they really expected to be paid,
go and get money from me now. So they, they don't say anything. So then a person would be in violation of welfare because they were counting on that money and they were expecting the money. So therefore, even for $2, and this is a very common, uh, very, very common scenario of, of um, in fact, probably one of the most common scenarios of welfare is when you hire these kind of you know, young kids to do jobs for you and you don't pay them right away after they finish their job before sundown. And you sort of assume, okay, they're only kids. You know, I can always give it to their father or I can always this or that. All kinds of different excuses that people have. So, but if, if the child is, you know, old enough that, that, that you know, that their, their transactions are valid transactions, uh, you have to pay them a time. There's no, there is no such uh, idea of, of waiting and not honoring it. In fact, is a very interesting one of the most, um, I guess, the most common sense, sensical halachot, but, but it, what's interesting to know is that it's actually a clear-cut halachot. There's halachot that if you promise somebody something, you have, to, you have to honor your word. So, for example, if you promise a kid that you're going to give them a, a popsicle if they do, if they cut your, if they mow your lawn, or you give, you're, going to, you're going to take them someplace or whatever, many people will think, oh, it's only a kid, so I changed my mind, it not work out. It doesn't work like that. The lachat is very clear that a person has, if a person does not keep a, 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 a promise that's expected to be kept, the person, the person trans, is known as a mukhusar manai, he's an untrustworthy person. We view him as an untrustworthy person. And, and getting labeled an untrustworthy person is something that's, uh, you know, in al it's not a joke. A person, in fact, a person should try to compensate to get that label off himself. So therefore, he should make sure to honor his words. So this, it's a similar idea when a person's hired uh, someone or asking a kid to do something or you make a camp and you promise a kid you're going to give them this this, you know, this prize and, and, and you forget about it, that's a problem because that's, that's not a trustworthy thing. Now I understand that people, that by nature, they, they, they're, they're, you know, too busy taking care of a million different things, but it's something for, that's why it's halakha, for a person to pay attention to it. And they realize that this is, this is something that a word is, is, is gold. The word is, 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 is valuable and a person should not change when he promises Next question, if you are in charge of payroll in your company, you're managing payroll, are, do you transgress the halakhat or not? So this is actually a discussion uh, in, in contemporary halakhat. Some, some poskim are the opinion that there is, uh, if, there's a, if there's a very strong responsibility, there, it is a certain level of responsibility on the person. Uh, some place well not. The, the next question, if a person paying rent, is there a concept of when you're paying rent? So that is a discussion in the Ketot HaChoshen. So the Ketot discusses if a person rents, um, the, there is no Lotalit on land. Now the question is, is a house considered land as far as these laws go? If you, if you, ever, you know a house is built, you take bricks, you put it together, you build a house, right? So the bricks originally were dirt, you made them into a brick, you separated them from the ground, and then you rebuilt them, you, you attached them together with cement, and, and then now they're back attached to the ground. So are they considered land, which does not have, according to many opinions, um, the 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 or are they actually considered uh, separate from the ground, like it's, uh, which is, which in that case would have the, the liability. So now the, the Tokyo says, since it's a safek, it's, it's unclear, a person should be machmir, a person should be stringent, 
and he should make sure to pay that payment on time. So this technically would be, you know, all, all landlords are very excited about this halacha. Why? Because that means that every tenant has to make sure to pay by sundown on the day that his rent is due. So is that is that actually applicable today? So the answer is today we have two reasons. Or two reasons brought down in, in the in the halacha why today we do not have um, this halacha. The reason, one reason is because today we have a security deposit. Security deposit means you already have money from the guy. So you could definitely just hold on to that money, and that money, if you have access to that money, you can hold on to that, and that would be the payment. So therefore, he's, he's written, in a certain sense, he already paid you, so this next payment is not going to be considered a, pay, a delayed payment past payday, because you already really have money for it. It's just, just the way the structure of, uh, of the contract is, is that the security deposit is usually not used. I mean, if the, if the landlord has no access at all to the security deposit, let's say it was an escrow account or whatever, then it would be different. But if he would have access, and technically, he, there would not be a transgression. Another reason is because the halacha is that we only pay rent at the end. Today's business and landlords and tenants, the whole real estate market, the way it works is that you're really paying rent and you prepay your rent. You're not paying your rent at the end of the month. You're paying your rent at the beginning of the month. You're prepaying your rent. So prepayment does not have the law of the here because you're not paying for anything. You, you, you're not, you don't owe the guy for anything yet. You never, you never went into the house. It's just the custom is to prepay. If you would wait till the end of the month and then run late paying, then in that case, if not for the, the other uh, of, of security deposit, then you would have the issue. But uh, but but since then, anyway, we, most of the time we're, we're prepaying, we do not have this issue. There's a very interesting um, discussion in, in the Poskim based on the, the Pasuk of Elav Nasset Nafsho. Rashi says, Elav Nasset Nafsho means that the person counts on it, he, he risks his life to, to earn the money. Why? Because Elav Akevesh, when a person goes up on a ramp or he climbs a tree, he does dangerous things to earn money. So therefore, he's putting his life in danger. So how can you not pay my time? So the, the, your bunch of Feinstein brings the proof from here. They asked him a child in my mind. I never heard this until I saw it inside. But they asked him if you're allowed to play baseball. Why? Because baseball, you can, a guy could get hit by the bat and they could get hurt. Right? It's a dangerous sport. Uh, the ball is very hard. It's not a softball. It's a hard thing. It hit somebody in the head. In fact, and, and I remember a few years ago in Lakewood, there was a kid that passed away because he was hit in the, in the neck by, the, by a metal bat. And apparently there's a certain place in the neck that if it's hit in a certain kind of way, it, it could be fatal. And this kid was hit exactly that spot and he was killed. So, Ramesha writes that if you're paid to play baseball, you're a professional player, then you're allowed to. What was his proof? His proof was because this Rashi. Rashi says that people risk their life to earn money. So it's apparent that that it's apparently permitted. It's, it's apparently permitted for a person to take a job that's dangerous in order to earn money. So therefore, even though a bunch of considers baseball big, I'm not sure today what the price will I'm not sure. I have to be honest. I never saw anyone else discuss this question. So I'm not going to get into, I'm, you know, but Ramesh just said that it seems, or Ramesh is saying, that if it wouldn't be for money, it would be a problem. So I don't know. I guess maybe people have better uh, uniforms. They have more, they have more uh, protective equipment or whatever it is. But, um, but assuming that 
is a risky. But um, but uh, but the same kind of, and the same thing will apply also. They had the interview. They had a similar question about hunting. They asked them if a person is allowed to go hunting for for a living. Now, hunting for for not for a living is is a different problem. You know, just to kill animals for no reason that you're not allowed to do. But let's say the person's gone hunting for 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 a um, for his livelihood. But it's a dangerous sport. Today, the, I mean, today it's not so dangerous, but it, but it used to be much more dangerous. You know, the, the, the gun can misfire, the, where the other people are hunting, you can put, you're putting yourself in danger. So the other says, for the same reason, this Rashi, that a person's allowed to do it, because of, even though it's dangerous, he's allowed to do it for his, for his panasa. So they remind you right that they showed up this true of the night of Yudha, and he saw that uh, that uh, Yudha said the same thing as him, so he felt felt very good. Anyway, so just in closing, um, there's you know, in the raising the awareness of business halacha, I think I've come to the, to the realization that many today many people in business, they, even honest people. There's, there's two kinds. Of, I guess you can classify people into three categories. There are people just, that are just totally dishonest. And then there are people that are super duper straight and super honest. But most people fall into the middle category. What, what's the middle category? There are people that do what, what seems to be the norm. Right? And I, I like to call it reflective business practice. In other words, they do what's reflective of the other people in the market, whether it's reflective of the client, the way the client's treating them, or whether it's just reflective of the general market, the way the market works. They're not, they're not, people aren't dishonest, or, or they don't mean to be, you know, to be crooks, but it sort of became understood that, you know, if this is what's done, then you, you know, you have to, you have to keep up with the Joneses, you have to do what's done. In fact, they teach in business school, it, it's actually taught there, and I saw this in, in a book, it's actually taught, they teach them to do things that are, that are, that, that, until recently, anyone would have looked down on it. They, they teach them to be ruthless in business, you know, go after your, your competitors, uh, undercut them, put them out of business, go after their clients, try to get a hold of their, their client email list and just bombard their clients with requests, all kinds of things that are, that are straight out forbidden in halakha because of business competition and many other halakha. And, and this is actually taught as, as something to be proud of. You know, you're a successful businessman if you can really destroy your competition. That, that's, that's, that's an example of reflective business practice. You can't work. A person's not going to work that way. A person's not going to do things that are not kosher, that are not proper, just because everybody else does it. The most extreme example where we find this in Halakha is, is the Rambam says that Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu worked for Laban Rasha. He worked for, this, Laban was probably the biggest crook you could ever find. And even though Laban worked like, we tried to trick him in so many different ways, still Yaakov Avinu didn't do anything that was dishonest. He dealt with Laban in a way that was honest. And the, the Rambam writes, that therefore, from Yaakov Avinu, we learn that just like Hashem, just like that he should not withhold the salary of the poor person. The same thing applies. The same exact applies. So to the workers also warn that he should not uh, take away from the balabayit. And he should not take to steal his time. He should take, he's going to miss a little, come a little late to work, leave a little early, take a longer coffee break. Right? Everyone does it, so what's the problem? Or, my employer, anyway, you know, he's, he's working me to the boat and he's cheating me and this and that, so I'll cheat him back. 
Like, I'll be dishonest with them. The answer is, that doesn't work that way. Even if you work for the biggest crook in the world, your job is to be an honest person. Your job is to be straight. And, and that we learn from the Ramim Enzor, Shere Yaakov HaTzadik Abad, and Yaakov HaTzadik said, I worked for your father with all my energy, with all my ability. And, and the Fika, therefore he was without any, any boundaries, because he did what he, what he was supposed to do honestly. In fact, we say in the Gadash of Pesach, we say that Lavan Bikesh Lavan wanted to uproot everything. What does it mean Lavan wanted to uproot everything? So we think it means he wanted to kill Yaakov Avinu. But then again, a lot of people wanted to kill us, right? Ishmael wanted to kill, Esau wanted to kill Yitzhak. Why? Why is it by Lavan we say Lavan Bikesh Lavan wanted to uproot everything. Why is he any different? Why is he any worse than anybody else that wanted to, to kill us? So the Mashkir of Lakewood, in Rasa he says that it's referring to a different thing. It's referring to the fact that Laban wanted to teach Yaakov to become a crook. He wanted to force Yaakov to become a crook. Yaakov had been his whole midah, his whole trait, his titan and mental Yaakov. That he did things that were invent, true, honest. Laban saw that the, that the way he had to, had to prevent all the work of Rav Yitzhak Yaakov from continuing is you have to mess up Yaakov Avinu. He's the last one of the three. You have to mess up by doing what? By trying to get him to do some reflective business practice. Because because Levant said, so Levant told you, I'll be the most crooked employer possible. And then Yaakov is going to feel, he's also going to be crooked. Doesn't work that way. And therefore, that's, we, that's exactly what the message of, of Yaakov Avinu is. That a person has to do, uh, be honest because it, he has the responsibility to be honest. That's nothing to do with the way his employer, the way his neighbor, the way his partner, the way other people are acting. And a Kadosh will make sure that he gets he gets the full reward. He doesn't have to try to earn it through his own tricks. He'll get it anyway. He doesn't have to destroy his competition. He doesn't have to kill other people. He doesn't take away their, their, their success. He'll be successful because Hashem has it designated for him. We should all be the chavs, we privileged that we should actually have this and be successful in everything that we do. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halachic consultation, monetary bedin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, or for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at theshc.org to subscribe.